This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee on day 32 of the 60-day legislative session. It is not, however, a working day. The halls of the Capitol are quiet, most lawmakers are home for the Easter holiday, and won't be back till Tuesday. And neither will we. Pro tip for you rookie reporters, when you get the chance to take a day off during the session, do it. Before they left town, lawmakers in the House passed the Parents' Bill of Rights. The Senate grappled with insurance reform. The cost to consumers has gone up 20, 30, 40, or even percent, or even higher in some cases. While over the past four to five years, all of the domestic carriers have lost money. The governor steps up his criticism of the Biden administration over immigration, saying they need to go back to the policies of Donald Trump. This is a crisis that has been manufactured by the government itself. Government has created the crisis through its policy. And I think it's just whatever the previous administration did, they want to do the opposite. I think it is ideological. 15 million doses of the J&J vaccine have been ruined because of a mix-up at the factory, but Ron DeSantis says Florida will still be getting a record amount of vaccine next week. We think that, the because we're getting a big dump scheduled next week for 300 plus thousand, we think that that's still on track. Uh, we have not been told anything differently. We've asked, so we think it's going to impact not next week, but then the following weeks. There's been a spike in COVID cases and fatalities in Florida. The state reported almost 6,800 new cases Thursday. That's the most in almost a month. We'll also have your calendar of events and a couple of Florida Man stories, but first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. This public health crisis has shown our one-size-fits-all education system does not meet the needs of every child. Senate Bill 48 rethinks education and provides needed flexibility for students and families, giving students the tools and resources they need to unleash their potential. You can make a difference and improve our education system by visiting fledreform.com to tell your lawmaker to support SB48. Paid for by Americans Prosperity, Florida. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, April 2nd. This is Good Friday, it's National Children's Picture Book Day, World Autism Day, National Peanut Butter and Jelly Day, and National Walk to Work Day. On this date in 1513, Ponce de Leon claimed Florida for Spain as the first known European to reach Florida. In 1972, New York Mets manager Gil Hodges collapsed after a round of golf in West Palm Beach and died of a heart attack. And on this date in 2007, the Florida Gators beat Ohio State to claim the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. Another surge in COVID in Florida as the number of infections and deaths are rising across the state. The health department reported 6,790 newly confirmed cases of the disease on Thursday. That's the most in almost a month. The state also reported 79 more fatalities. Our death toll is 34,143. After the 2018 elections, when a record number of women were elected to Congress, U.S. Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz of Broward created what they call the Moms in the House Caucus. Their goal is to, well, illuminate issues faced by mothers, and they've just released a video urging parents nationwide to get vaccinated. Wasserman Schultz is the first of eight moms in the message. For over a year now, we stayed safe at home and masked up. And y'all, the end of the global pandemic is finally on the horizon. The United States currently has three approved COVID-19 vaccines. And all of them are proven safe and effective. 
Children are not yet approved to receive the vaccine. So the Moms in the House Caucus is here to ask you to get vaccinated for your kids. We expect all adults to be eligible for vaccination by May 1st. Vaccine eligibility is rapidly expanding. So check with your local health department regularly to see if you and your loved ones qualify. Whether you get a Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson shot, rest assured you're making your family and community safe. So listen to the Congress moms and get vaccinated. And then call your mother. She can't wait to hug you again. Speaking of vaccinations, Governor Ron DeSantis has already announced the state will relax age restrictions for COVID shots Monday so any adult qualifies. But there's a problem with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. A mix-up at a factory in Baltimore ruined about 15 million doses. Despite that, the governor says Florida is still scheduled to receive a record number of doses next week. So J&J had millions of doses that were compromised. We obviously were expecting big dumps of J&J. We think that the because we're getting a big dump scheduled next week for 300 plus thousand. We think that that's still on track. Uh, we have not been told anything differently. We've asked. So we think it's going to impact not next week, but then the following weeks. And there will definitely be an impact on that because, I mean, you, know, you talk about 15 million. Florida's chunk of that is, is definitely going to be down. But the good news is, is between what the state's allotment is this coming week and then what the federal pharmacy allotment is, all of that is growing on net. So even if the J&J is delayed, we're still growing. We have the age uh, was reduced on Monday to, to 40. And then on, on this coming Monday, it's going to be everyone 18 and older. And it seems like the rhythm has been pretty good. You know, we wanted to do it. We obviously, when the vaccine first hit, man, the demand was so, so we wanted to ease it in so that you, know, you didn't have a huge crush. We obviously don't want there to be like massive amounts of vaccine not being used. So you try to get in between there. And I think we've gotten it pretty good on that respect. And so I think that next week you'll see a little bit of an uptick. But I think we probably have sufficient supply where most of the demand is going to be met. Obviously, if we had the J&J continue on schedule, that would have been very, very helpful. But it is what I've told people is, I think there's more demand for J&J than the others, which I, we didn't. I, I thought it may be the opposite just because of how it was being treated, um, particularly in some of the media outlets. But uh, I think there's more demand. But I also think that if you can get a, a Pfizer shot or Moderna uh, in the J&J, if there, there is a delay in the future weeks, get whatever shot you can, uh, because these things do happen. And a bird in the hand is worth more than more than two in the bush. The governor said that in Titusville, where he held a press conference at the American Police Hall of Fame and Museum, where he demanded that the Biden administration rescind its recent executive actions that changed the process for the deportation of criminals from other countries after they've done their time. The Department of Corrections in Florida estimates 50 of those aliens will complete their terms in state prison within the next month. And DeSantis wants to turn them over to immigration authorities for deportation rather than releasing them. It's a reckless policy to not take, these are convicted felons who are here illegally. If you can't remove them, then what do you have? Just a complete lawless system and a completely open border? I don't think any of us want that. This is a layup. You have somebody who's in the country illegally. They get convicted of a felony. They're in our prison system. They serve their sentence, maybe for drug trafficking, maybe for armed robbery, maybe for sex abuse, maybe for some type of homicide. And the job of the federal government is to receive them and remove them. If you can't do that, then you're just failing at the basic functions of government. This was working in Florida in partnership. 
when they're taking away these detainers and they're not accepting responsibility for convicted criminal aliens, uh, that puts our communities at risk. It's something that we are going to fight. We're in court, and we're going to continue keeping the fight up because if you don't follow the law, if you do release like, like they're doing now, what are you going to tell the next family? Oh, yeah, you know, had we just followed the law and done the removal, then this wouldn't have happened to you. Our bad. I'm sorry. No, it doesn't work that way. You cannot unring those bells. So this is, this is probably one of the easiest things to get right. If you just follow the law, if you work to get criminal, convicted criminal aliens out, uh, the community is going to be safer. This issue, as long as they have this posture, which is a very radical posture, the issue is not going to go away, unfortunately. You didn't hear a lot about this over the last couple of years because we had the, we had the agreements. It, it worked like clockwork. You know, now you're going to see, uh, unfortunately, ICE releasing some of these, um, some of these convicted criminals, and, and that's not good. So we're doing what, we're doing everything we can to be able to protect the, the public. Basically, the governor wants the Biden administration to go back to the way things were done during the Trump administration. All they need to do is reinstitute the policy they inherited, and the, and the problem will stop. So they need to reinstitute the remain in Mexico. They need to institute the safe third party agreements. Uh, that was working and that works for everybody. The numbers for March that we're looking at, and I think they're still preliminary, but I mean the numbers in terms of the, the uh, unauthorized migration across the border, they're huge. I think they're record setting. I don't think we've seen as much in one month as we have in the last 20 years. So it's a big problem. It is a crisis and, and the, the unfortunate thing this is a crisis that has been manufactured by the government itself. Government has created the crisis through its policy. And I think it's just whatever the previous administration did, they want to do the opposite. I think it is ideological. I don't think it was well thought out. I think this is way, way overshooting. The governor has ordered the corrections secretary to identify all Florida inmates with federal detainer agreements and then pursue all legal means to transfer them to ICE when they complete their prison terms. He's also ordered the Department of Law Enforcement to cross-check the names of any aliens released in the state to see if they're committing new crimes. The U.S. Supreme Court has rejected Florida's lawsuit claiming Georgia is taking too much water from the Chattahoochee River and starving Apalachicola Bay of the fresh water needed by the oyster industry in Franklin County. The lawsuit was filed in 2013 after the oyster fishery collapsed, but the high court says Florida did not prove Georgia's water use had caused the damage and that over-harvesting was a key factor that undermined our claims. The decision was unanimous. The Florida House of Representatives approves the Parents' Bill of Rights. Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith of Orlando opposed the bill because he believes it will force teachers and guidance counselors to out gay students to their own parents. Imagine an LGBTQ student who's anxious and nervous about judgment, physical violence, or even worse than that to them, family rejection that they may face at home. That's where lines 147 to 151 create problems for me. The student confides in a school teacher, a school teacher that they know and trust. They tell them, I'm gay. They tell them, I'm transgender. This is a major moment of vulnerability for LGBTQ youth. And it's, it's a common occurrence in our schools. I wish every LGBTQ child could feel comfortable coming out 
to their families knowing that they will be embraced, loved, and accepted. But unfortunately, that's not the experience of all students. Now, some school districts may interpret this or other sections of the bill to believe perhaps they are obligated to report this sensitive information to the parent. Representative Rene Placencia of Orlando says he understands those concerns, but he believes the kids will figure this out. And Representative Smith, I know what you're talking about. I lived that for 15 years as a teacher, a high school teacher um, in East Orange County, Colonial High School. And what I would tell you is the scenario that you paint isn't very likely. And I'll tell you why. Kids know who are the teachers that are more empathetic or sympathetic, the ones that have a, a, a soft shoulder or just have that, that something that makes them not just a teacher, but also a mentor um, and, and a confidant. And, and I was one of those teachers. And I had many kids who came to me and, and told me that they were struggling with their, whether they were gay or lesbian or, or trans, whatever it may be. And every time we had a situation, I would say, have you talked to your parents? Most of the time, kids are afraid, nine times out of 10. But what I found over time is that the ones that took my advice and spoke to their parents, they'd come back to school the next day and say, thank you, it was the best thing I did. The Parents' Bill of Rights passed the House 78 to 37. A bill making major changes in Florida's property insurance law is now teed up for final passage in the Senate. The bill, sponsored by Senator Jim Boyd of Bradenton, puts new limits on roofing payouts and tries to limit the number of lawsuits filed against insurance companies. With the rising cost of property insurance in Florida, our bill aims to provide fair and reasonable guidelines for both the insurer and the insured during the claims process. The cost to consumers has gone up 20, 30, 40, or even percent, or even higher in some cases while over the past four to five years, all of the domestic carriers have lost money. Some of those, as the insurance commissioner's office will tell you, are in financial trouble. A handful, not all of them, of course. These reforms to property insurance claims seek to reduce fraudulent claims. In 2013, there were 27,413 property insurance lawsuits in Florida. In 2020, there were 85,000. Property insurance rates are increasing along with an extraordinary number of roofing claims in Florida. This bill aims to ensure that Floridians have access to property insurance that is affordable, reliable, while stabilizing the Florida property insurance market. Senator Annette Tadeo of Miami-Dade has a problem with the bill because it limits payouts for roofing replacements, and she believes it will leave homeowners with a lion's share of the cost. Section 3 of the Strike Call Amendment is problematic. It provides substantially less coverage for our homeowners with roofs more than 10 years old. And it also applies to new policies and renewal policies. The homeowner will not know about this limited coverage until they get the policy documents. The reimbursement schedule, depending on the type of roof, requires homeowners to shell out of pocket approximately 30 to 75% for a replacement roof. This expense is in addition, I repeat that, in addition to the deductible they must pay. And we know those deductibles uh, for hurricane or windstorm coverage are very high. 
The limits on lawsuits also drew a lot of criticism, in part because backers of the bill admit it's not going to lower your premiums. Senator Jeff Brandis says opponents of the bill haven't come up with any better ideas, so Senator Gary Farmer basically accepted his challenge. I am waiting, I'm begging for somebody on the opposite side of this bill to actually file something that will reduce property insurance rates. Because what we have today going on is if we do nothing, if we don't pass Senator Boy's good bill, you're going to see property rates rise 30% next year, and then another compounding 30% or 40% the year after that. Without Senator Boyd's good bill basically unamended, we're going to see radical increases in property insurance rates. Senator Brandis, you asked for it, you got it. Here it is, rate rollback amendment. Okay, this amendment would guarantee that the insurance company cost savings realized from this bill for the 6.2 million Florida homeowners will in fact be passed on to those 6.2 million homeowners, renters, condo owners, and constituents. That is the amendment, Mr. President. Thank you. Are there any questions? Um, any questions? Um, Senator Brandis, you're recognizing questions. Thank you, Mr. President. The insurance industry uh, in Florida lost $1.7 billion last year. Uh, would that, would, so you would have a 6% reduction uh, on that one point, or sorry, it would be a 6% 6 increase on that $1.7 billion loss if they then had to lower rates. Is that correct? Uh, no, it's not correct because they didn't really lose that money. Uh, they reported it to OIR that they lost $1.7 billion. So you're saying that that is not correct, that they didn't lose $1.7 billion, that, 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 that they falsely reported to OIR? You're recognized, Senator Farmer. Yeah, they cooked the books. Here's how it works, okay? Insurance companies have all kinds of functions they have to do. Underwriting, uh, uh, claims management, uh, personnel stuff, all kinds of stuff. What they've started doing is creating separate entities called managing general agents. They're owned by the same principles, but it looks like a separate corporation. So they transfer monies out to perform what is really a base function of the insurance company itself. But they do that, it looks like now that's an expense. That's a liability. So that makes them look less profitable. Florida residents pay, we talk about reducing the burden on, on insureds, okay? Florida residents pay an average of $434 per policy towards insurers' operating expenses. The national average was $290. So this practice is being especially abused in the state of Florida. Some companies have had a 25% increase in their MGA allocation. And the way this works is it's a percentage, the MGAs get a percentage of a rate increase. So they get to raise the rates, and then their related entity automatically gets a percentage of that. They also play games with their loss reserves. They put money aside to say they're going to play claims, but then they don't really pay those claims. So again, on paper, it makes them look less profitable. When all was said and done, the Senate rejected all of the amendments offered by Democrats, and the bill is ready for final passage at the next meeting of the Florida Senate. A Miami man who's a prominent member of the far-right group Proud Boys has been charged with storming the Capitol on Insurrection Day. 40-year-old Gabriel Garcia is a former Army captain and a failed candidate for the Florida House of Representatives who insists he only entered the building because the doors were open, the barricades were gone, and people were streaming inside. He says it wasn't a rebellion, more like a glorified tour. 
Garcia is facing two federal felonies and four misdemeanors related to disorderly conduct and trespassing in the Capitol. But he claims it wasn't technically trespassing because the police didn't stop him from entering. If you get your electricity from Florida Power & Light, the price will be going up next month. The Public Service Commission has approved FPNL's request for a $300 million increase to cover the rising cost of natural gas that fuels most of its plants. Under the plan approved by the PSC, customers who use 1,000 kilowatt hours of electricity a month will see their bills increase by about 4%, and the additional charges will remain in place until December. Your calendar of events is next on the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics. In Florida, if you fall behind on court debt payments, the state takes away your driver's license. But if you can't drive, you can't work. So how can you make enough money to pay the debt? This policy makes no sense. Let's end debt-based license suspensions and help Florida get back to work. Welcome back to your Sunrise Calendar, and it's mercifully short today. The Revenue Estimating Conference holds an estimating impact at 9, and the Education Estimating Conference meets at 1.30 to analyze public school enrollment. Hey, it really is a good Friday. Alachua County deputies are searching for the Florida man who took a joyride in a locomotive in the town of Newberry. Officials say the locomotive owned by Florida Central Railroad was locked, but someone broke in through a window. Two switches valued at $30,000 were damaged when the locomotive began moving. Finally today, a Florida man is calling for one million people to march in Fort Lauderdale as a protest against what he calls the one-year-of-mask tyranny in Broward County. The Million Maskless March is being held April 10th and will include a mask burning, of course. The organizer is Chris Nelson, who has held similar protests throughout South Florida. He was part of the flash mob that protested the mask mandate last year by marching into a Target and blaring Twisted Sisters' We're Not Gonna Take It as they ripped off their masks. Broward County fined Target for not enforcing the mask law. Protesters received citations as well. By the way, Twisted Sister vocalist Dee Snyder called the stunt moronic. We just call it Florida Man. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. The legislature won't be meeting today or Monday because of the holiday, but we will be back on Tuesday, and you're invited to join us then as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. (laughs) 